hun, it's me, Danielle. I am a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm here to talk about all the ways multi-level marketing and mental health do not mix. It is important to know that this podcast is not meant to diagnose or for treatment. This podcast is based off of personal experiences and opinions, and is meant to educate and entertain. Now sit back and start healing with me on this episode of From Huns to Humans. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Danielle. I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor, and I'm so excited to have you back for another episode of From Hunts to Humans. Today, I am here with my birthday twin, Katie, and she is going to talk to us about her experience with Monet. Monet, Monet, I don't know, however you say it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm Katie. Uh, My pronouns are she, her. Um, And on a mental health spectrum. So I have ADHD. Um, I have anxiety and depression and I do kind of think that I'm somewhere on the autism spectrum, but that's TBD. So we'll see. Um, do you want me to just kind of jump in? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so I, I want to like start my story. Yes, I was in, um, Monet. I joined in, uh, February, 2020. So it was like, I literally got my starter kit like two weeks before, uh, lockdown. Um, but to give some context to like why I joined. So when I was a kid, we moved all the time. Um, so I was constantly having to make new friends, uh, meet new people, join new groups. Um, and that really carried over into my adulthood. Um, I have great friends. I have lifelong friends. Most of my friends I've had for like 10 or more years, but they don't live nearby. So I was at the time really looking to find like people I could just go to brunch with people. I could like have a happy hour with after work, people I could just hang out with that were local. Um, and as an adult, like it's really hard to make friends. Um, and so, you know, I was a cheerleader growing up. I was in a sorority in college. This just kind of felt like a natural next step as crazy and whatever as that might sound. Um, so yeah, um, I joined, um, because, so I had been watching, um, this one influencer, and she is a real influencer, uh, aside from being an MLM, she like has a following prior to this. Um, but I had been following her for over 10 years. She started on YouTube. I like watched her hair tutorial. She's a hairstylist. Uh, and then I followed her on Instagram and I just was like really related to her. And she had joined Monet pretty early on. Um, and I really didn't know what an MLM was. Like I have friends and 
you know, family members in Mary Kay or Plexus or Beachbody or whatever, but I never really understood like what was so bad about these companies. Um, I just thought like people who were saying like, oh, like don't join that company. I always thought it was like an issue with the product. Um, I guess I was just never really listening to the conversation um, or hearing it rather. But um, I had watched this one influencer for a good two years and I truly did see a transformation with her hair. So I was like, okay, heck, I'm just gonna join as a VIP, which is basically like their glorified customer. Um, and while I was waiting for that shipment to be delivered, um, I came across this profile of a local Monate market partner. Um, she's local to my area. Um, she wasn't nearly as like successful within the business. She was relatively new or closer to the bottom of the alleged pyramid. Um, but based on like following her for a little bit and just kind of seeing her on social media, she seemed really friendly and approachable and she just seemed like someone I would get along with. So I reached out to her. Um, and at this point I had gotten my, my VIP like package, but I reached out to the local mar market partner and just asked her like why she joined, why, um, I'm a very curious person. So I just like dug in, like, why did you join? What's the difference between that and being a VIP? Like, what are the perks? What do I have to do? Tell me all of the things I need to know. And I did feel like we had a really good conversation and we agreed, like, let's meet up in a couple of days at a coffee shop and talk about it more. Um, and in that time, like waiting to meet up with her, I was like, doing the thing where you Google, <laughs> you know, the company and looking at all the YouTube videos, but I was very selective, I think. And I mean, in hindsight, I can tell that I was very selective with what I was actually consuming in my quote research, because instead of watching, um, you know, anti-MLM YouTube videos, I was watching like um, people talk about why they're no longer a VIP. And it always came down to the ingredients. They didn't like the ingredients. They were having like minor irritation. I never saw anyone, you know, and this is all alleged because I didn't see firsthand, but um, I never heard anyone's story where it was like aggressive reaction. Um, they were talking about, oh, you know what? It just didn't work for me. Um, here's why. Okay, moving on. So I was like, okay, whatever. I really like it. I had tried it I, one or two times at that point. So when I met with um, the local market partner, I was like, all right, cool. Like we really vibe. I would like to hang out with you. Like, um, I would like to do this with you because one thing to also note is around this same time I had decided I was going to start, um, paying off my debt. So I have student loan debt, car payment, um, some credit card debt thanks to my ADHD spending habits. Uh, and I had finally decided to attack all of that head on. So I was like, look, I just want an extra 50 to a hundred bucks a month. That's it. I never wanted to be like super top tier. I never wanted to be this like jet setting market partner. I just wanted 50 to a hundred bucks a month um, to help throw toward that debt. So um, I was like, yeah, a friend and a couple hundred, like a hundred bucks a month. Like what's better than that? Why not? Um, 
So, uh, okay. So, um, after the coffee date, I called Monate customer service. I got them to basically transfer my account from the influencer to uh, the local market partner. And I upgraded my account from VIP to market partner. Um, and of course, before I even got my starter kit, because I did have to purchase my starter kit, even though I had just made a purchase, um, <laughs> before I even got that in the mail, I was added to all of the Facebook groups, all of the group chats. Uh, I was inundated with like the back office and all of these trainings and information. And I have to do all of these things. And it was really overwhelming. But as a curious person, I was like, oh, cool. Like, this is just more like, quote, research that I get to do to still figure out if this is for me. Um, and one of the first trainings that I remember looking at was the compensation plan. Um, and again, looking back, like in hindsight, I can definitely see how it is centered around recruiting because you can't rank up without uh, growing a team as the Huns like to call it. But I wasn't focused on that. Like my focus was 50 to hundred bucks a month, period. Like that's all I wanted. So I was looking at it from a, how much product do I need to sell in order to achieve my goal, to meet my personal goal? Um, and when my kit arrived, like, of course I made that stereotypical, like hun post of like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Look what came in the mail. Look at my box of all my things. And, um, I started my own side hustle and here's my goal. And like, ugh. um, but I remember a lot of my family and friends were like, oh, cool. Like, what is that? Like, very cool. Awesome. Good for you. But I had one friend from high school, uh, reach out to me and he was so kind. He was so like kind with how he said it, but he was like, Hey, uh, just want to make sure you know that there is an active or multiple active lawsuits against money. Uh, so just, so just be careful, just make sure that you're aware, keep that in mind, be careful. Um, but I did the, the, the typical, like, Oh, thanks. I know about that. Like, I'm good. Yeah, I've already, I've, I'm confident in my decision. I already knew, like, I'm not worried. Um, okay. <laughs> but because, like, my close friends and my, like, family members were supportive, like, they were signing up as VIPs, and I wasn't even having to ask them. Like, I was just um, on Instagram going, oh, my gosh, I washed my hair. Watch me curl it. Watch me use this mousse. Watch me use this. Like, it's like that is not my comfort zone. So I'm like talking about it and I'm even kind of cringing, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like my friends and family were like, oh, wow. Like I, yeah. How do I get like the best deal? Oh, there's a sale. Like how, how do I take advantage of this? Um, and so I was getting like checks. Um, they weren't substantial. I mean, in my experience, I was getting like a $17 check here and a $22 check there. And I think like my largest check was like 50 bucks. Um, but because I wasn't keeping track of it and because you get paid every Friday, I was like, oh yeah, I'm meeting my goal. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Sure. I've already, I've exceeded it. I'm like making $300 a month. Like what? 
Yeah. And it's so funny too, because you're like, you get those little checks and each time you get that little check, you're like dopamine, dopamine, dopamine. And like usually each one gets like a little bit higher and you know, occasionally you'll get like that low, the lower check and you're like, oh, well, I didn't try that hard this week. So whatever. Um, And like, it's so easy to justify. And like you said, when you add all of those checks up, you feel like you're meeting your goal even though you're not accounting for all the product you're buying. Yeah. Well, that, so both my fiance and I were using the product. So we were purchasing, I wouldn't say regularly. I think we were actually pretty modest about it. But if there was a a flash sale, because there's always flash sales, if there was one on products that we actually used, of course we would buy it. We were like, might as well stock up on stuff we actually use or might as well buy this so that we can, share it with someone who might use it or whatever. Um, But I wasn't keeping track of that. I was like, yeah, I'm making a little bit of money. That was my goal. Like, duh, that's it. That's all I need. Um, So, I mean, in the midst of all this, like I said, I started like February, 2020. So shortly after was when COVID hit and I was so new that like when COVID hit, I don't know if you remember, but there was like this eeriness in the world. Like everyone was like quiet and scared and it was just, it was very eerie. So, um, I decided like uh, consciously or subconsciously, I don't know, but I decided I was going to take a back burner, like take a a step. Um, Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just have a comment on how eerie it was. I remember at least for us, like at one point we were like, okay, we need to leave the house. Let's let, just go for a drive. And like, we were driving around and like all of the streets were empty and it was so weird. Yeah. And then on the other hand too, we would look out the window sometimes and be like, look at these people leaving their house, go home. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd be like, wait, they're probably just driving around. Just like, we're just driving around to leave and to start our cars. Yeah. Well, and I, so, um, at the time my fiance and I were long distance. And so we decided that I was going to go stay with her for at that point, we thought it was only two weeks since I could be remote. And so I drove four hours, five hours away, stayed with her. I had my whole like starter kit with me, but like, it was so eerie. I wasn't in my space. I didn't have my things. Like I, she was still going to work because she's in healthcare. Like it was just very weird. Um, and I remember like, I just, I, social media didn't matter. I think the only things that I was sharing were like news stories and like where to get tested and things like, here's what you need to do. You need to lice all your groceries, you know, like the very early COVID things. Um, but I was not posting anything personal, like nothing personal. It didn't matter. Um, and I remember there was, I don't know how far into uh, the pandemic it was, but I remember sharing one story that was like, here are 10 companies that are hiring right now. And because, you know, people were losing their jobs um, and getting laid off. And I knew a few people in my network who were looking. So I, I shared it. And within five minutes, my upline had responded to it and put, and Monet asterisk. And like, 
I, I like she did not pressure me to like change that or say oh and Monet she didn't it but it was implied right like it was okay here are 10 companies that are hiring I, I don't know what it was like Amazon you know whatever whatever Target and Monet and because she had sent me that I felt this pressure and I went ahead and just updated that post and it's like but why like I remember feeling so weird about it and now I still like cringe because like I remember thinking these people just lost their jobs some people are losing much more than just their job they're losing their homes they're losing their loved ones they're losing their livelihoods I don't want to promote this quote opportunity where someone has to pay to play like I don't feel good about that um especially someone who's in the hiring industry. Like I just know what it looks like to promote an opportunity without having to promote, Hey, you have to pay 200 bucks to do this. And like, remember they would be like, it's not your job to decide what other people can spend their money on. And I was just like, yeah, but like who needs whatever I'm selling at the time? Like who actually needs it? Like, it's so, yeah like it's not a necessity it's not like your electric bill like no exactly and like I remember I got on a call with my upline and I expressed my like concerns I was like look I don't feel good sharing these products sharing this company like this is a lot of money and when I joined you know a month ago I wasn't into nobody was anticipating a pandemic so like yeah I was eager um but now like how my theory is like interrupting me but um how can I possibly sit here and say hey buy this $40 shampoo and pay $200 to be my friend where I you know allegedly gaslight you all the time you know like I don't know unfortunately that wasn't a big enough of a red flag for me at the time but I wish it had been (laughs) um but I do think like that call she was like my upline was saying how yeah you you know someone out there needs this opportunity like not everyone's gonna want like to not everyone's gonna be able to pay um for the starter kit nobody is gonna like not everyone is but you can just highlight how they're starting their business for two hundred dollars instead of two thousand dollars and they get to work from home and um you know our products are distributed in the u.s and i'm just thinking like okay like cool i it did not click to me as like as urgent as I think she was trying to make it seem um and I don't even think I really used any of her points in my conversations with people um but it it was enough of a boost to like get me started again unfortunately like it was like okay well if they're doing it I guess I can do it too like I guess we all you know need to move on at some point you know it and you know what she did worked right like exactly she she did what she was trying to do it it got me um and then like shortly after uh one of my uplines up the totem pole um was doing like facebook challenges instagram challenges where it's like post every day and they're not going to tell you what to post but it's like 
here's a theme that you can use as inspiration, but like post every day. And if you do every day for the month, you'll be put into a raffle and um, you can win this Gucci purse. Like I did not need a Gucci purse. Like I, <laughs> I am not a, a labeled person, but I was, I was motivated. Like my teammates, my, my sideline uh, sisters were doing it. So why would I not participate too? Um, and, and I will also say like, my job, I'm very blessed and privileged to say that my full-time job was stable. I was good. However, I had, I didn't have a lot going on. So that gave me a lot more time to devote to this business money, like to pay attention to what they were saying and like these challenges and like get, you know, pulled in. Um, and so I was doing all of, all of those things, the challenges, the Q and A's going live, but then George Floyd got killed and the BLM movement, uh, was growing. And again, I kind of went radio silent. Um, it was again, where my personal life did not matter. Um, I, and this time I, I really didn't even talk to my upline about it. I just took a a step back, uh, I decided that, Hey, I do need to listen. Hey, I do need to figure out what my privileges are and, um, how I, how I can even slightly level out the playing field for those who don't have those privileges, even just a little bit and like, listen to what the narrative is and understand even just a little bit of what the systemic issues were. Like, that's where my focus was. Um, but I remember I would get messages from people on my team, like, Hey, where are you? We miss seeing you. We miss your face. And I would respond. I, I would be honest. Hey, like, I don't feel right about, um, you know, pushing my personal story right now, my personal narrative, if you will. Like, I think that I need to take some time to listen and learn. Um, and I think a lot more people should have done that. Not that I'm perfect and not that I did it the right way, but I did it in a way that helped me understand the why behind it. Right. So, um, and then I remember watching, uh, one of my uplines, like, I don't know if it was a live in one of the Facebook groups or on Instagram or what, but I remember she was talking about BLM and like just the socioeconomic climate at the time. And I remember listening to her and on one hand, I like kind of idolized her, right? Like, oh, she's like so rich and she's made so much money with this company and like, oh my gosh. So on one hand, I had this, like had her on a pedestal. And then on the other hand, I'm just like, how privileged, like, ew, like what you're saying is gross. And what you're saying is so offensive. And how can you, like, how can you be saying this on a public uh, platform? Like, I just don't understand. Um, so I took like four to six weeks kind of away from Monate. Um, and, and during this time, even when I heard my upline saying all those things, like I still never saw the red flags for what they were. I still never, like, I just didn't know. Um, but when I decided to start up again, I was full force. I was like, okay, all right, now's the time I'm going to hit the ground running. Um, and 
you know, I started one of those, <laughs> one of those infamous Hun sticky note walls where it's like a pyramid shape. Okay. So there's the red flag, a pyramid shape of how many like VIPs and how many uh, market partners and how much PV and GB is needed to rank up. Right. And it literally comes out to be a pyramid. Like, oh my gosh. Um, so this is where my like sales only focus kind of shifted into like looking at the recruiting side, because I started to like actually realize that, yeah, I can make my 50 to a hundred bucks a month. Oh, if I even was, I can do that work where I'm at. But like, if I recruit even one person, like I can make a little bit more. And if I recruit two people, like, and, and so it just kind of spiraled from there. So, okay. I want to kind of dig into the recruiting world now. Um, so I'm going to kind of sidetrack a little bit, but I promise I will bring it all together. Um, love that here. We love that. Okay, here. <laughs> so, okay. So I mentioned I'm a corporate recruiter. I've been doing this for most of my professional career. Um, and I'm going to be very general, um, in my descriptions, but in, in professional recruiting, there are basically two main routes that you can take. You can go agency or you can go corporate and I've done both. So I'll give you like some very watered down examples and like my experience. So agency recruiting is like, think of a staffing agency. Um, they're third-party companies. They partner with um, larger companies or clients, um, to help them fill positions. So some agencies are hired to fill just hard to fill roles. So if they're looking for like a very niche position, they may hire a staffing agency to do that. Or, um, if they have to fill out an entire team, they may hire a staffing agency so that their other, um, talent scouts or talent acquisition partners, can focus on what they're already focused on. They don't have to divert that attention to filling out these uh, purple squirrels as they're called, the very unique type roles. Um, so generally speaking, again, this can vary from company to company, contract to contract, but generally speaking, agency recruiters have contracts with their companies and they earn a commission based on the position or the positions that they fill. So for example, Let's say I'm an agency recruiter. I, I work for a staffing agency, pick one. Um, my client company is Target. Um, Target is looking for a logistics director, um, just one, but it's in a very remote part of the country. It's really hard to find someone that'll go there, whatever. So what I would do is I would learn as much as I can about Target, about the location, about the team, uh, and about the position that they're looking to fill. I would learn literally everything. And then I would start searching on usually LinkedIn, Indeed, um, really anywhere online. Um, I would start searching for the type of candidate needed for the role. I would screen the candidates. I would prep them for interviews. I would, you know, share their profiles with the client. Uh, and then if my candidate gets hired, I would earn a, a percentage of that candidate's first year salary. So let's say my contract with Target is 20%. That means I would get 20% of that placed candidate's first year salary. So if it's like $100,000, I would get 20% of that as one lump sum. So 
again, it's just one lump sum. I do not get paid after they're hired. Sometimes there's stipulations, like they have to stay there for 90 days or something like that. But again, every contract is different. Um, then you have corporate recruiters, which is what I am now. So unlike the agency side where they may be working on multiple, uh, working with multiple companies on multiple different roles that vary for each company, it gets kind of muddy. Um, corporate recruiters typically just work for one company uh, and they only recruit candidates for that company. And sometimes they're segmented by department so they may only recruit for finance professionals or sales or supply chain or whatever or sometimes they may be uh, segmented based on like skill level so entry level versus like c-suite um, or somewhere in between um, so for example I previously worked in a role where I was working with early career talent so I was only recruiting interns and like freshly graduated like college kids so like entry 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 level um now i work with candidates of diverse and non-traditional backgrounds uh and when i was on the agency side i was working with like basically anyone within supply chain so like any level any company that was looking for supply chain and logistics professionals like i was just trying to get that contract so i can make some money um oftentimes but not always uh corporate recruiters are going to be paid a set salary, not a commission. Uh, their bonus or performance uh, review may be based on like achieving certain recruiting metrics, like filling 80% or more of your positions or whatever, but they're, they're going to have a base salary generally. Um, and so their salary is not altered based on, did you fill all the roles? Did you not? Did you recruit or not? Um, in either scenario, agency side or corporate side, you're not getting paid. Like you only get that one payment. Like you either get your set salary or you get that one commission. Um, and you're not like obligated to prove that this candidate is doing what they're supposed to do within the job like description. Um, if the candidate doesn't do their job, like that doesn't alter your salary like none of that and i say all of that <laughs> i'm going to bring it back now to say like i i know recruiting i'm very confident about what i do i'm good at what i do um so when i was like oh i can apply recruiting to this monate business this hair company like yeah i i'm gonna be good at that um i want to add in the one other form of recruiting that is legitimate, which is like, um, like at my job, we, so there's like a shortage of clinicians throughout the state of Massachusetts. Um, so if we find another clinician, uh, to come and work for the company, we'll get, um, some sort of like compensation for that. And they're calling yep. it like a finder's fee. Um, and I've like been thinking about that a lot and I'm excited for you to be on the podcast because I think that you can kind of speak to that too, about how that's legitimate versus network marketing. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of companies are doing that because right now it's a, it's a, it, it's a very unique talent market in that there are way more jobs open than there are people to even fill them um and i don't want to get political in this at all um, because i think there are a lot of different takes on why there are so many jobs available however the facts are 
there are more jobs available than there are people like eligible people, qualified people to fill those jobs. So yeah, I think a lot of companies are taking on the, the finder's fee approach or um, we call it a referral bonus. Um, you refer someone, they get hired, you get like a, a small bonus. Um, and um, um, but yeah, so I, I say all of the, the background around recruiting and finder's fees just to kind of talk about the legitimacy there. And like, also, you know, I love recruiting. I, I truly at the core of, of what I do, I love helping people find their dream jobs, helping to coach them and prep them on interviews and give them like feedback on their resume that's going to help them stand out and watching them kind of go through the interview process and nail that job and then like follow up with them a couple years later and see how they're doing and see how they progress. Like, I just like being a part of their story. So, you know, I, I build relationships with all of my candidates. I, I share personal parts of myself, nothing too like unprofessional in quotes, but I do share personal parts of myself because we're building relationships. I want to get to know them and I, I want to build trust and I want them to get to know me. Um, I want them to cheer me on just as much as I'm, I'm cheering them on. Um, but when I started to like think about recruiting within Monet and what that would mean, I was like, oh hell yeah, I'm good at this. I've got this shit. Like I already know how to build a relationship. I know how to talk to people. But as soon as I started like trying, trying out testing the recruiting waters within the MLM world, it just felt weird. It felt off. Um, I can pinpoint it is feeling icky now, but like at the time I was just like, am I doing something wrong? Like what? I know what I'm doing in recruiting, but this is different. And I couldn't figure it out. Um, and like, I, I just like, I really never gave it a full shot. Like I was not about to message a hundred people. I, I just wasn't going to do that period. Like, I think maybe, you know, the entire time I was quote, trying to recruit, I maybe messaged 20 people because I was like, why would I waste my time messaging everyone when I could just be selective with who I message, reach out to people who I actually think might do a good job, who I actually think I might want to work with. You know, I, I gave it a very, like, I applied my thinking from my full-time job to this job. And you just can't do that. <laughs> like it just, that kind of logic does not work in MLM because they like it's a numbers game in an MLM like you have to reach out to the masses because the people that you think will do well are not interested I, I think that it's funny that you say that because I think there are so many things that MLMs uh mask with their own like skewed logic yes and it's not actually logical <laughs> No, I mean, you think about like time freedom and yet they are constantly posting that they have no time to spend with their kids. They have no time to go to the doctor. They have, you know, no time to take a bath and like take time, time for themselves. Like, right. That's just one example. I have a whole list of them here. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're having a baby, then like you better be posting about Monet while you do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I have um, an example that I'll, I'll talk about in, in just a minute of just one area where it's like the time freedom thing doesn't make sense and it kind of backfires and is icky, but um, I want to stay kind of on the topic of recruiting really quick because yeah. otherwise my ADHD brain will completely forget to mention any of this. <laughs> Um, but, but one of the, a couple of the big differences. So like for starters, if you want to quote work for, or be a market partner with money, you have to pay, you have to pay money period. Like you have to purchase a starter kit. They're not cheap. Whereas like when I am recruiting in my full-time job, like my candidates are not required to pay anything. Sure. If they want to go buy a new suit, like that's an optional thing. If they want to get the fancy schmancy resume paper. Okay, great. But I'm not requiring that. In fact, I tell them, let's not do that. Like let's, let's save our money, (laughs) you know? Um, But like MLM, you have to buy a starter kit, not cheap. So you're already out of pocket. Um, Feeling icky about like messaging people on Instagram, like I have a feeling that a lot of people feel like that gut check when you're messaging, like whether you recognize that or not, like, oh, I think a lot of people say like, oh, that's just my self doubt. Like, that's just like the enemy talking to me, but no, no, no. You feel icky for a reason. You have that gut check for a reason. Like I just felt slimy almost like I I have never felt that in my full-time job. Have I felt nervous to message someone and be like, hey, let me talk to you about, you know, this company. Yeah, I felt nervous, but this was a whole different feeling when it came to MLM. Like, I don't know. And then like in my real job, so I recruit someone to then work for someone else. So let's say I'm recruiting someone to work for you. My job would end once they're hired. Do I continue the relationship? Absolutely. But if they stop doing what they're supposed to be doing three months in, like you can't come to me and say, Katie, that's your fault. Katie, what the hell? Like, I'm sorry. All you wanted me to do was fill the position. That's what I did. Whereas in an MLM, if someone's not posting, recruiting, you know, meeting PV, staying active, whatever it is, like, you're like, I would be expected to then have like a coaching conversation with them and figure out like, what's going on? Like, how do we get you where you need to go? Well, you need to try harder. Oh, you say you're, you don't have enough time. Well, let's prioritize your day. Like, let's figure this out. No, 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 no. Like that is not, (laughs) not okay. Uh, And like your, my commission or my payment would not be based on if I'm recruiting for you, like for your company, my payment would not be based on what they're doing, right? Like it's, I just filled the position, I get paid, or I have a set salary. Whereas in an MLM, like if they're not working, quote, I say quote, like if they're not working, if they're not recruiting, if they're not purchasing product allegedly, then I'm not making money. And if I'm not making money, then they're sure as hell not making money. So it's, yeah, that's just one of the things. Um, And then like the positions that I recruit for, these candidates get benefits. Um, And it's not just medical health 401k, although those are huge benefits. But like when I was recruiting interns, interns don't traditionally qualify for those type of benefits. 
but the interns would get paid and we would oftentimes um, give them, they either had housing like paid for by the company or we would give them some sort of housing stipend. Uh, if they were driving their car from you know college to where they were working, we would help with that. So like there were relocation type benefits. Um, they would get access to like any of our um, company, like we would have diversity clubs. So like um, LGBTQ plus members and allies, um, African-American and allies, like the interns would have access to those conversations where it's like just a round table conversation. Let's talk about how we as a company can do better for this community. Let's talk about how we can volunteer, how we can get involved in, you know, those kind of things. So that to me is a, it's a perk, um, maybe not a quote benefit, but it's a perk. And like, yeah, MLM can sit there and like do the whole, let's, tip our waiters $300 and make their day and post it on social media. But like, does that showcasing of your act of kindness make you really feel good? Because when I brag about my good deeds, I feel worse than if I had just not done them personally. Um, and, and so I think like, yes, there's a time and a place to be like, yeah, I did a good thing today. Great. But like, I feel like it's all for show. That's my opinion. A lot of it's just for show within the MLM world. Um, and so like, yeah, after a month or two of just trying to recruit, I don't even know how long it was, like just trying my, my hand at that. I remember looking at my fiance and just saying, you know what? Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel the pressure of like, having to reach out to people who don't want to hear from me, <laughs> whether it be a cold message or, uh, like reaching out to someone that I knew in a past life, like, like middle school or whatever saying, Hey, I think you'd be great at this or whatever. Like, I just didn't want to feel like that. So I told her that I was just going to go back to focusing on selling the products because I truly did have a great experience with the products. Like I really liked them. My friends really liked them. So why not? Um, so then fast forward to Ma Nations, which is like the annual conference. Um, and this was Ma Nations 2020. So it was completely virtual. Um, and my up, uh, my upline, um, was going to be hosting like a small little party so that we could all watch the virtual monations together. Um, and the week of monations, unfortunately, uh, she experienced a really heartbreaking tragedy and I'm not going to get into specifics. It is not my story to tell, but it does kind of paint a theme throughout the rest of my experience within the company. Um, and I also want to just disclaimer, like, I am not here to grief shame. Everyone grieves very differently, like very, very differently. Um, and I cannot imagine how she was and is feeling, um, after this tragedy. So I, I just want to disclaimer that because I don't want anyone being like, Oh, that was just her process. Yes, I agree. I 100% agree. This is just her process, but it opened my eyes to a lot more. Um, so anyway, so she was going to host this party. She experienced this tragedy, but 
one of my sideline sisters, I feel so weird saying that sideline sisters, um, one of my team members, uh, she decided to host it at her house instead. Um, and there was just drama around this whole thing because, um, because of COVID, like we were trying to keep the group relatively small. Um, and my upline had put the parameters, like in order to attend, you have to meet X amount of PV. Like that's just how that's the only quote fair way to make sure that we can keep the group small. So she did that. So that same group went to my team member's house and we had a great time. It was so fun. We, we did a little potluck. We were all hanging out. It was just great to be surrounded by people and like giggle and like, you know, it was so like a girl's afternoon, but we did not pay attention to shit. Like we were not watching Law Nations. Like we were not. And like, it was just a joke because they were sitting there with this like janky looking green screen virtual display thing that it just looked ridiculous and like they had sent out these gift boxes um to anyone who bought a ticket for monations and I remember opening it and I was just like what the hell is this shit it was just a bunch of cheap shit tchotchkes that you can get from like five below it was like um a phone stand like a little rinky dink phone stand it broke like after a month um and then they sent like an umbrella which was actually a nice umbrella um but then they sent like five or six different country flags like little kids play with and like a flag stand and I was like what the fuck am I supposed to do with this like (laughs) I am a grown adult why 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 um and I remember talking to one of my teammates and I was like, for as much as we spent on these tickets and as large as this company is, it's a billion dollar company. They should have sent us better, you know, packages, like at least send me a t-shirt. I mean, at the very minimum, send me a freaking t-shirt. It could be an ugly t-shirt, but at least send me a t-shirt. But no, I mean, it was just the cheapest stuff and she did not agree with me she was like well they put it together last minute I'm like no 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 no. it's September they had since March like no 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 I'm not playing that game like no they anyway so that's a whole other story um but I remember while we're at this party like we're we're talking about all the stuff we got we're kind of poking fun because that was the year that the Monate song came out like we are we are and like we were just like what is it? And we were having a great time, but then they did their annual like product launch. And that year it was wellness. And, you know, they, they build up so much hype around new releases. They're like, oh my gosh, you're gonna, uh, it's going to be so good. It's going to change your business. And I'm like, hell yeah, like more product to sell. Yeah. Now that I'm on this selling game, like give me something. And I'm thinking it's going to be like lotion. Like, oh yeah, you've got your hair stuff. Now you've got your body stuff. No, it's wellness. And I'm like, so we're just competing with Plexus and Arbonne and whoever else, like we literally just copy pasted, put Monate's logo on it. This is ridiculous. I don't, nobody wants this, but my teammates were hype. Like I'm talking like losing their shit. Like, oh my god this is so exciting like now we can 
talk to people who don't want to buy our shampoo, who want to buy wellness. We can sell them men. We can, I'm like, what? No. Like if they don't want to buy from us, it's probably because they don't want to buy from us. They're not going to buy now that we have this protein powder. Like what? And it's expensive. So I don't think I've heard how much the protein powder is. I want to say it's like 38, 35 or something. Like it's actually relatively good for them. It's good. But I mean, the package is not like what you would get at like a GNC or like a Target even. Like it's a relatively small, like probably like this big. So like not a full month serving. No, no, not (laughs) if you're, not if you're like a serious protein shake kind of person. Like this is for people who just want to be like, yeah, I had my protein shake and then they don't drink it for another week. Like, you know, it's. And, and like, they had like supplements come out where it was like a pre and probiotic and they had, um, some other stuff. I don't even remember at this point, but like, I'm looking around the room and everyone's so hyped. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm being a negative Nancy. Like maybe I am just a skeptic. They're excited. So if they're excited, then other people are going to be excited. And if other people are going to be excited, then maybe I should try it. So of course they do this like bundle deal the day that it's released and it's like crazy discounts. Like, I don't, I don't even remember, like probably $250 for all of the products. And I'm just like, I don't have this money. Like I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I cannot afford to buy this right now because I just bought this ticket. My partner and I were saving for a house. It was coming up like close to the holidays. Like I just didn't have the money to spend on that, but I, again, felt this almost like obligation um, where I'm like, it was like peer pressure, but like peer pressure adjacent because no one's actually pressuring me to do it, but I'm watching them do it. I'm watching them buy these, this product pack. And I'm like, well, if they're going to do it, like, I don't want my business to fail because I didn't buy it. I 100% agree with you. Peer pressure adjacent is so spot on. I remember in Arbonne when they did the virtual, whatever it's called, and uh, they came out with the new skincare line. And I had literally, I literally didn't even want to buy the original skincare because I had never done skincare before. So it's like, why am I going to buy this? My skin's fine. And like, literally, this is a side note, but literally like 30 knocked on my door and my skin was like, hello, crow's feet. Um, <laughs> but um, so I literally just bought the first one because I was like, well, I need to have it if I'm going to try to sell it. Like I can't sell something. I've literally never even like washed my face before with like special product. Like, I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Like, you don't just use a bar of soap for that. I don't know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, and it just plays into like the whole like, I can totally understand why inventory loading is a thing. I I never, luckily, luckily, I never got to that point, but I can totally understand it because I wanted to try all the hair things that were relevant to my hair type. And then I, you know, the skincare stuff, I have very, very, very sensitive skin. So like, I wasn't super into trying the skincare, but then I had seen like, people's before and afters and you know I was like okay well maybe so then I got kind of 
adjacently pressured into getting some of those products and then same with wellness. And so it just kind of snowballed, but, you know, I spent money. I didn't really have, I mean, I had the money, but it wasn't for that. It wasn't allocated for that. I spent money. I didn't really have on this wellness stuff. And to be quite honest, I maybe tried each of the products once. Like I did not like them. There was like an energy stick and I'm a coffee drinker. I don't like energy drinks. I'm not into that stuff. Like to each their own. It's just not for me. So why did I buy that? Like, I knew I wasn't going to drink it. I knew it like, and I'm not a protein person. Like I, anyway, I'm going on a tangent now. Um, but yeah, I, it just brought up more pressure to, to create more content. Like it was just more products that I had to then learn about so I could talk about them. And that was really tough. Um, because, because I have ADHD, like I could read something and literally like a goldfish, forget it. As soon as I stop reading it, as soon as I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to you about this new product. Here's all the benefits. Like I'm reading them. I've memorized them. I feel good. I turn the camera on and I'm like, what, what am I doing here? Uh, what am I holding? Um, and it's just like, but, but it all kind of is a circle with each other. Like it's all connected because I was feeling pressure from myself to create content because I needed to create content so I could sell the products and I needed to sell the products so I could buy more products essentially, allegedly in my experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When you called yourself a goldfish, I have never related to anything more in my life (laughs) like I would literally like get everything prepared and I'd be like all right I'm gonna get on there I'm gonna talk about this it's gonna be fine yes and then I'd be like I'd turn the camera on and I'd be like well I guess I'm just gonna talk until I figure it out (laughs) it's like that Michael Scott uh clip where it's like sometimes I just start talking and I hope I find the sentence along the way or I hope I find the point along the way yes exactly it's so true. Like I would just like memorize it and then be like, uh, I know words like what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Anyway. So, um, I'm going to circle back to, uh, my upline because I mentioned that she had experienced a tragedy and, um, you know, my team, so her downline, was relatively big. I mean, I say relatively because it wasn't like ginormous, but there were enough of us where we got a meal train going and like we tried to like hold each other accountable because we were like, well, she's not at her full-time job right now. Like we need to work hard so that she can make some money. Again, how did I not see the the alleged pyramid? But we we were, you know, trying to lift each other up so that we could like in spirit lift her up almost um anyway but we like her upline was not doing the same so like I'm gonna call her like upline two um she hopped on a quote training with us one night because we weren't having like our weekly trainings while 
my direct upline was like taking time off. Um, so upline two hopped on this training call and the whole time she's just like, yeah, you guys, like you just need to work hard. And she's like showing us these incentive trips that are so drastically unrealistic. They're for like all the directors. And I don't think any of us had like gone past the second rank. Like, we're just like, what? And she's like, yeah, like you can definitely get there. And if you're not getting there, then you're not working hard enough. And it was just like the standard hun stuff where it's just like, you need to work harder. You need to work harder. You need to message people. And I just was sitting there going, but what are we going to do for my upline? Like, what are we going to do for her? How are you pouring into us so that we can grow our businesses so that it does make an impact? Like, I just didn't understand the point of that call at all. And I honestly felt that a lot of what she was saying was completely just rude. She was like, yeah, well, she, you know, she feels like she needs to take some time off. She feels, and I'm like, she's freaking grieving. Like what? Um, but during her, my upline's time off, um, she, decided that she was going to quit her full-time job. And that was kind of her goal for joining Monate from the beginning. She wanted to be a stay-at-home mom um, and be home with her toddler. But after losing someone, she, um, you know, figured out she was going to be financially okay, just working Monate instead of her full-time job. She had her husband's benefits um, and she wanted to stay home with her daughter. I thought that was totally fair. Um, but what made me feel off about it was that I felt like she was using her grief to promote her business. And again, I'm no means trying to like grief shame um, because everyone does grieve differently, but I would see posts about how her tragedy led her to getting to quit her full-time job and how God put this business in her life at this moment in time so that she would have, you know, enough of a team so that when this tragedy happened, she would be able to walk away from that full-time job. She would be able to stay home with her daughter and, you know, she would have this support system around her. Um, and then she would talk about how the person that she lost was like her number one fan in her business and would be just like so proud of her for working at full-time. And let me also say, like, I truly believe all of those things for her. I truly believe that she feels that way. I truly believe that she's coming from a very authentic place of, oh my gosh, like, this is why I have this business. This is why I joined. So I don't think that she's necessarily trying to be like, I don't know, any type of way about sharing this story. But as an outsider, it, it, I don't know. It just, it's, it's weird when I see the compensation plan, when I see how it all really works. And then I see how she's going about making these sales, whether it's conscious or not, it all feels a little bit icky. It all feels a little bit like you're using your trauma, um, to, connect with people to get them to sign up, to get them to buy whatever it is. Um, especially saying like, 
something about the person you lost and how they believed in you. Like it just didn't sit right with me. Um, and I, I think it was around this time that I started just backing off again. Like I was picking up a lot more at my full-time job. Um, I was getting a lot more like happy in that position at my full-time job and also kind of like getting prepared for a potential promotion and like all these kind of things. So I was not really focused on money anymore, but I would still post here and there. I would still like watch my team's stories, my upline stories. And just the more I did, the more I was like, oh, I don't know if I have anything in common with these people. I don't know if these were genuine connections. And then I like watched Leah Remini's show on Scientology and that kind of spiraled into this like cult and cult adjacent like obsession. And then I landed on anti-MLM and (laughs) I don't know who I watched first, but I do know that, um, I refuse to watch Monate content. Like I would watch things on basically any other MLM, but I wasn't ready to hear about Monate. I wasn't ready to like face that just yet because I didn't think I had any issues with the company. I didn't think that like those red flags that I had passed along the way were red flags. I thought they were just like, huh, that's weird. All right, let's keep going. Like, I don't know. So, um, finally, after like, I don't know, probably a good like month of going down the anti MLM rabbit hole that all of us do at some point where you just binge content, I started to listen to um, Monate stuff and I would listen to team calls that people snuck in on and I would listen to. Chelsea and um, I mean, anyone, like any content. And then I started to binge anti money. Like I would just like, oh my gosh, I idolized this person at one point because they were a top earner. They were at the top of the alleged pyramid. Like I wanted to be them. Why am I now like getting this guilty pleasure in hearing them like talk out of their ass and like say the quiet things loud like I don't know so that's pretty much my story because once I started going down that rabbit hole I was just done um I I still have my account and that's mostly because my ADHD like I forget to close accounts for example I had a gym membership for two years after I moved from that city so like it just happens um but you know, it'll, it'll happen. I'll quit it eventually, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, I know I'm done. I know I'm never going back. We don't buy the products anymore. I try not to support other MLMs. Um, I do see an issue with ethics and morals within the companies, uh, companies. Yeah. Multiple, any MLM really. Um, and I don't, feel regret. And I want to say that because if there's anyone out there that's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I joined. Like you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And like, I had no clue what an MLM was or why it was bad until I knew. So like, I don't feel regret 
I do feel a little bit of like embarrassment for the stuff I posted, but not necessarily for joining, if that makes sense. So yeah, that's my story. Wow. That, that was a ride. I loved it. Um, oh my gosh. So I feel like, you know, one of the things about ADHD is, and like, this isn't like a a DSM thing. It's just kind of like something I, I notice a lot in us ADHD folk is like, I feel like a lot of us really have like gung-ho good intentions and like Mm -hmm. I I don't know like I know other people have that too but I notice it a lot in people that um that have ADHD or have spoken to me about ADHD and um I think that that helps us to like look over the red flags as they come up and it's a lot easier to lean into all of the brainwashing stuff because you're just like oh yeah you wouldn't hurt me let's go everything you say is true well yeah and I think too like part of being ADHD and I don't know if you experience this but like I oftentimes feel a lot of shame because I'll start something and I won't finish it Mm -hmm. so um and, and like I know that's kind of just a dopamine seeking type of deal but for those who don't have ADHD or don't they can't relate to that um you know I have friends and family members that kind of pick at me because they're like oh what's your hobby this week oh what do you you know what are you learning this week and it's all in love like I don't take it personal but like at the same time there's a little piece of me that's like okay but this time I'm gonna go all in and that's kind of how I approached Monet even when I had my, when I took my steps back at times, like I was still like, okay, but I'm in, like I said, I was in, I said, I was going to do it. I'm just taking a break. Like I'm going to be back. Um, and so I think that's part of it too, is that if you've ever experienced the self, the negative self-talk of like, oh, I never finish anything like you want, and, and you're surrounded in this, echo chamber of people being like you're not working hard enough you're not doing it like you have to do this you have to do that you're like okay I'm just gonna do it until you're burnt out and you finally see the light right exactly exactly and like uh, that was a common thing for me where I would just get so burned out from it I was like I had way too many things going had too many plates spinning And I was always like, okay, well, like the MLM plate is the one that's going to fall because I'm not going to risk my career. Yeah. Or your relationship or your, like, there were times where I was so incredibly burnt out just from like working my, uh, my MLM business, uh, working my full-time job, being present in my relationship. We got a dog during COVID, like all of the things and like house hunting and all this stuff. Like I was so emotionally burnt out that I would just shut down, like literally shut down, could not get out of bed for days. Like my depression really kicked in because I wasn't taking care of myself. And it took like a couple of times, I'm sad to say, like a couple of times of that for me to go, okay, I need to take things off my plate. What is it going to be? Um, and sometimes that was easy. And sometimes it really wasn't like, 
you know, to, to put the MLM on the back burner when you see everyone posting for the flash sale and like, oh my gosh, this person who I've been, you know, running alongside this whole time just ranked up, but I haven't because I took a step back. Like there's a weird sense of shame about that, even though like, okay, she ranked up, but that doesn't mean I would have, even if I had kept going because statistics show I was probably going to stay at the bottom making $7 a month. Like, (laughs) right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, so the end of podcast question is what is your anti MLM? Why? Oh, that's a good one. What is my anti MLM? Why? Um, honestly, I think it's, so I think people just need to truly be authentic to themselves. Um, and, you know, we just talked about like the peer pressure adjacent and like keeping up with those around you until the point of being burnt out. Like, I don't want anyone to feel that kind of pressure. I think we're in a time now where everyone's realizing that this, uh, constantly go and grind go get it all the time mentality is just like okay no like maybe I want to grind it out 50% of the time and nap 50% of the time like a lot more priority on mental health and physical health and just taking care of our ourselves so I think that plays into my anti-MLM why because when you're in an MLM, your personal interests don't matter like if it's not income producing quote-unquote it doesn't matter. Like, why would you ever want to learn how to play guitar? That's not going to get you a sale of shampoo, like, you know, anything like that. So I think that's part of it. And then the other part is just like, I was so desperate for community, but that is not what I found. Um, I thought that I was finding community. And I think a lot of Huns, um, preach that oh my gosh like it's not just shampoo it's not just whatever they're selling it's not just oils like I get on this call every Wednesday night and I'm so uplifted by these women in my community and like yeah kind of but like they're only talking about MLM stuff they're only talking about sales and recruiting tactics they're only talking in these crazy elaborate analogies that actually make no sense um sorry my dog is peeking um but like as soon as you express any sort of concern doubt um like you should be able to talk to your friends when you have a concern you should be able to have that open kind of dialogue and it be no judgment um I could tell my best friends anything and we might be like a little pissy at each other but we're going to be best friends at the end of the day. And like, that's not what you truly get in an MLM. You get conditional friendships, you get conditional, um, you know, relationships where even if you're not in each other's downline, you may be like sideline, you still benefit from each other because if you're not working, I'm less likely to, to give it my all and work. And so, I need your motivation. I need you to be in because I don't have time to talk to people who aren't doing the same thing as me. And that's just a very toxic way of building relationships um, when it's all about how you benefit from each other. So I, I do this also for community. Like let's 
actually build a community where we can all bring what we like to the table, no matter what it is, we'll appreciate each other for those differences, for those strengths, for those interests. Um, I'm not good at like literally anything because I don't give it enough time, but like, maybe you'll appreciate that I learned how to crochet for one month. Like, (laughs) so I don't know. I hope that was, I hope that answered your question. I know it was very long winded. (laughs) I love, and I also, there was something you said too, that made me think about like, when I started Arbon was the same time that we got our dog. And that was part of the reason why I ended up stepping back, which I don't usually talk about. I usually talk about like studying for my licensure exam, but I was, I got this dog and it was the first time that I myself was like raising a puppy. Yeah. And nobody talks about how hard it is. Like I knew how hard it was going to be, but like time-wise and like learning how to work from home and having a puppy and then also like doing my Arbon business I was like I need to spend time with this dog because like she needs me yeah (laughs) yeah I totally get that like I could tell that people were like why are you not coming to the everyone meeting because of your dog or whatever it's called I don't Mm -hmm. know uh everyone meeting was what we called our dance meetings in college so I don't know why I called it that (laughs) (laughs) Um, no I I totally get it though like and now we have like two dogs under two so basically two puppies and mm -hmm. like it I can't imagine still working my business like I just can't imagine it because one dog was hard. It was hard to like teach her obedience and like train her and give her attention and like keep her from chewing things up and work that money and work my full-time job and give my partner the respect and attention she deserves. And like also see my family and friends, like there are, you know, you hear all the time, like we all have the same 24 hours and like, yes and no. Yes, we all have 24 hours in a day, but is it the same? No, I don't have kids. So my 24 hours look vastly different than someone with one, two, three, however many children. Um, My priorities are vastly different. So it's very shaming. It's a very shaming thing to say, like we all have the same 24 hours because, or to say like, well, instead of watching TV or scrolling, you could be making money. And it's like, what if that's the only 15 minutes that you have in the entire day to just unwind? Like, why? That's so toxic. Also, I never really understood the like shaming of the scrolling stuff because, you know, they would also be like, oh, if you see someone posting about X, Y, and Z, you can tell them about your pyramid scheme. So like, how are you supposed to see these posts if you don't scroll? Because it's all just like fluff. It's all like just word salad, speaking out of both sides of their mouth. They want you to focus all of your social media time on income producing activities. And yet they want you to like meet people and like scroll and see posts. And they like, I these, (laughs) these like, (laughs) mental health MLMs just grind my gears because mental health, like, first of all, and you know, probably better than 
anyone, but like, it's an ongoing relationship with your mental health. It's not just like, oh, I, you know, talked to my therapist once and I took a supplement and I'm good. Like, no, it's ever changing, ever evolving, ever growing. And so like for anyone, MLM or whatever, to try and make a profit off of the mental health, like people who are trying to better their mental health and like do some self-discovery and figure out like how to navigate their trauma and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just disgusting. And, you know, every MLM does it every single one, not just the, the mental health ones, but like, they'll say, you know, take a mental health day. You don't have to work every single day, but then it's like, but then you get um, shamed if you don't. Right. But if I don't rank up, you're going to say, well, what have you been doing? And I'll tell you, I take Sundays off and you'll say, well, that's why. So what is it? <laughs> yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The whole thing is ridiculous. All right. Well, thank you so much for making time for us. Like this was such oh. a great story. And I'm really glad that we got to talk about like the recruiting stuff and, um, like the referral bonuses and things like that, because I feel like that's something that I've always wanted to speak on, but like, I didn't really know what to say about it. So I'm really excited that you were able to talk about that today. Yeah, absolutely. I am too. I I think uh, that's one part of the conversation I don't hear a lot about. So I'm glad that I got to share and I hope that it helps someone understand that what they're doing is not necessarily the same thing as what a professional recruiter does. Right. Exactly. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you have a fabulous day. Bye.